0: Hello and welcome to OT with D.A. and N.C., that is to say Nathan Cranston. Um, We are, I'm a little winded, forgive me, I literally just ran down the stairs, ran back up the stairs, busy getting um, everything ready here after the unboxing video, so if you were present for the unboxing video, awesome. If you missed it, it'll be up on my YouTube channel, but we are now in OT with D.A., and we are on... Chapter 51, God's Care for the Poor, and uh, this chapter was amazing. What'd yeah, you think, Nathan? Oh, beautiful chapter. It's so encouraging. I read it like four times, and I actually wanted to read it again because I, there was something I wanted to look for that I I was like, oh, I think I see something that I didn't have time to read it a fifth time to get so, ready. So. so we'll
1: read it again now. Yeah,
0: we'll just read it all the way through. <laughs> there Same. actually is like one whole page and I just said we just have to read that whole page.
1: Seriously, no, I, that's what I found too. Towards the end, I, I just oh, your highlighter worked. It work. I did, yeah. I finally oh, figured that out. Good for you. But yeah, the whole end. Look at this.
0: <laughs> I think that's the same page. It's like <laughs> highlight, highlight. So, so, um, so welcome everybody. So glad you are all here. Uh, this is chapter fifty-one, God's care for the poor. I'm here with my longtime friend, Pastor Nathan Cranson. He was with us last night, and in many ways. Tonight's chapter
1: is very similar to yesterday's. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, definitely, yesterday
0: was tithes and offerings, mm-hmm. and then today's God's care for the poor, which it's really you know part A, part B. Absolutely. But there is some fire in this chapter. Oh, I beautiful. mean, loved it so much. Goodness absolutely. and such a window into the heart of God. Yeah, that's the thing. I was like, absolutely. How much are we seeing about? God? I mean, just listen to the title of the chapter: God's care for the poor. And uh, so welcome, everybody. We are thrilled that you are here. Um, Let me just let you know, tomorrow morning, we are going to do... Tomorrow's when I fly to Australia. Remember that there'll be a break. I don't know how long. It'll probably be at least three days. Could be four, hopefully not more than five. Um, Stay tuned to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you'll know when we're going to go live there. I was actually just talking on the phone today, this morning. I was woken up by a a dear friend of mine. You'll get to meet him. He's the coolest guy. I'm going to have him as a guest on OT with DA at least twice, hopefully three times. He's amazing. I love him. And uh, he called me on the phone this morning or sent me a text when I woke up early. And I was like, his name is Boris. I was like, Boris, what? What a great name. And he's huge. He's like six foot six, you know, 250 plus pounds. He's a giant uh, I mean, like, hopefully one of the chapters we'll do is David and Goliath.
1: My, my wife dated Boris. Are you serious?
0: <laughs> yeah. Your wife dated Boris? That's <laughs> yeah. a thing? That happened, I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> so, um, so I'll I tell know, you. I
1: know of him. You know of him. He's, a,
0: he's an amazing, godly, kidding. cool human being. No, I've heard great. He's a, he's a 10 out of 10. Absolutely. Um, but he's got an amazing wife. And now you've got an amazing wife. So it's all, everything turned out good.
1: (laughs) No hostility. no, no, no. Because trust
0: me on this, Nathan, you wouldn't want to get in a fight with this guy. No,
1: he's like Goliath.
0: (laughs) So I'll tell you a a funny little story. Little known fact, almost nobody knows this. Boris was going to come, because he lives in Australia. He was going to come to the church that I was pastoring in Kingscliff and be my associate pastor. And uh, I said, Boris, if you come, if you come, we're going to start a podcast and it's going to be called David and Goliath. And he was like, absolutely, that's it. David and Goliath. That's
1: perfect.
0: And unfortunately, you know, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, God ended up leading him in another direction. And, and uh, but anyway, he texted me early this morning and I said, what time is it? It was like 2 a.m. for him. He said, oh, I got to talk to you. It's urgent. So I got him on the phone. We had a great conversation. And I said, bro, just to be clear, you're going to be joining me for at least two, preferably three sessions of OT, OT with DA. So I don't know how long it's going to take me to get it all set up, but I can't wait for you to meet Boris. I've got some other... Uh, people lined up there gonna be great so Sweet. there will be a little break but tomorrow morning at 9 a.m Mountain time Nathan has agreed to do one more session so we'll be here tonight we'll be back in tomorrow morning then I'm gonna get done here I gotta tear a lot of the studio down pack what I can pack go home pack and then get on a plane and fly to Australia so please pray for me uh that the you know it's you know one of my one of my, the funniest things that people say, people say, have a safe flight. Right. And I'm always like, <laughs> kind of out of my hands. Uh, I'll do my best. Exactly. Right. I'll stay awake or something. Uh, hey, have a safe flight. <laughs> oh, I'll I'll buckle my seatbelt. <laughs> right. I mean, what am I going to do? Right. I, how, how do I have, have a safe flight? So anyway, uh, but I would appreciate your prayers. Um, really looking forward to getting there. It's going to be a mission because a rise is in full swing and then mm-hmm. OT with DA and it's going to be chaos. But with your prayers and with your grace, with the grace of God and with your prayers, we'll get through this. Amen. All right. Um Nathan, would you pray for us and then we're in awesome. chapter 51, God's care for the poor.
1: All right, let's pray. Oh, gracious Father, such a blessing to be able to spend this time together each day. Mm-hmm. Thank you for those that are tuning in and all their excitement as they're Amen. sharing in the, the texts with us and uh, the greetings. Just we send our love to them. We're grateful that Amen. we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. Amen. So as we unite our hearts together in prayer and in pursuit of your your will and your truth, we just ask that the Holy Spirit would do what you promised, which is lead us into all of that truth. Amen. Mm. So we uh, we recognize that we need your grace even to understand, uh, but even more to be transformed and to be able to apply mm. those things that uh, that we get to chew on and, and uh, grasp tonight. We thank you for your graciousness towards us, and may we be gracious to those that are in our sphere of influence. We Amen. thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: I should let you know that uh, Nathan and I went rock climbing today to the climbing gym, so he, we might be a little tired. I feel energized,
1: yeah, but you might, are you I, tired? I'm a little tired, and I, and I didn't get my five hours to go through the chapter, so I might let yeah. you <laughs> take the lead you on be this be leaning way. on me a lot. <laughs> yeah. We had a great time at the climbing gym. Oh, so much fun.
0: Violetta climbed so well, oh, and we didn't have a long me. time, but we had a good time, and uh, now I'm ready for this chapter. I'm fired up. Okay, so what I'd kind of like to do, Nathan, is we'll just sort of motor through, and anytime you're like, stop, stop, but I'm going to be, tonight, I'm going to have my foot really on the gas. I'll be pushing us forward. So if there's anything I go over too quickly, speak up. Perfect. And just say, hey, oh, don't forget this. Okay. Um, okay, so the chapter opens up. I'm on page 650 of Types and Symbols, 530 of the original pagination. And it opens up by, in fact, that first
1: sentence is probably a good one to read. Um, why don't you read that for us, uh, Nathan? Okay, so to promote the assembling of the people for religious service, as well as to provide for the poor a second tithe if all the increase was required. Okay. So a second tithe.
0: Now that might be new to you. You might be like, what? A second tithe? I thought there was a tithe. And in the first little bit here, Ellen White starts talking about this idea described, and she quotes Numbers 18, Deuteronomy 14, Deuteronomy 16. This idea of, and remember, a tithe is a tenth. So a second tenth. Mm. So the, the, the original tithe, all the tithes that talks about Malachi 3 go into the storehouse. That's for the Levites. All the tithe was for the Levites because remember, they didn't own land and their job was to minister in the sanctuary. So, this idea of a second tithe was also for the Levites, but especially for the care of the poor. And that's the title of today's chapter mm-hmm. God's
1: mm-hmm. Care for the Poor. So, right out of the onset, right out of there, the yeah, I, go I, what you I, got. I think it's powerful that we have two chapters, you know, one right after the other, one dealing with tithe towards God. The other one dealing with tithe towards man. Exactly. So, Just like there's two tablets of the law exactly. too, right?
0: Vertical and horizontal.
1: Two tithes. Cap- vertical, capturing horizontal two basic elements of uh, the law of God, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, you and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So both of those, when you see that those, because it says on this hangs all of the law and the prophets. Yeah, beautiful. So you see this very beautifully demonstrated here that, uh, yeah. First, it's love, supreme love for God, and then it's impartial love towards man. Yeah. Oh, great word, impartial, genuine
0: love. So yeah, this is a really cool way to think about it. You know, you have the vertical tithe, and then you have the horizontal tithe, right? That is to say, um, vertical tithe is like the first tablet of the law, and then the the second tithe is like the second tablet of the law. Now, she then goes on, and I want to go right down. There's a great line there, and it says um, right at the bottom of that first paragraph, Thus provision was made for the thank offerings and feasts at the yearly festivals, and the people were drawn. Watch this now into the society of the priests and Levites, that they might receive instruction and encouragement in the service of God. And you know what I wrote in my margin? You might not know this, Nathan, because you weren't with us. But you know what I wrote in my margin, everybody? I wrote, like the Gibeonites. Now just re- just remind yourself that just oh five or six chapters ago, we learned about the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites came they made a treaty, they made a league. The chapter was literally titled The League with the Gibeonites. Gibeonites." And remember that their responsibility was to be uh, woodcutters and water carriers for the sanctuary. And I said, this is the best possible scenario because they'll be around the Levites, they'll be around the priests for the purpose of receiving instruction. I mean, these are pagan peoples. They don't know about Yahweh. They didn't spend a year at the base of Sinai. And so to me, it's so cool Mm -hmm. that she says that this whole idea of the thank offerings and the yearly feasts was so that the common people could be rubbing shoulders with Mm -hmm. next to the Levites and the priests and start asking questions. Hey, why do we, and how come every time, and what does this mean, and what's that symbol? And the priests and the Levites are there as students of the law, right, and as students of the sanctuary to teach. Mm -hmm. And the thing I thought of was, this is the Gibeonites. It's Mm -hmm. the perfect place to put people who need to learn, Mm -hmm. who need to grow Mm -hmm. And so for those of you that have been with us on this journey, I would encourage you to just write like the Gibeonites right there at the bottom of that first paragraph, because that was the optimal place for them to have been uh, in order to learn about Yahweh,
1: about his sacrificial system in the sanctuary, and about the law. That's great. Yeah, another idea that came to my mind too here is that Probably as a pastor, you've been approached by some people that say, yeah, well, I, I paid my tithe, but I pay it to the homeless person. I pay right. it to the shelter right. here. And I do it. Yep, 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 yep. And uh, it's interesting to see that that was kind of uh, something that God had thought through, that there was this mm-hmm. 10% set of the tithes set aside for the Levites and for the advancing of the gospel. Interesting there, too, that you have uh, so love for God. When you're thinking, well, the love for God is uh, you're still giving it to people. Yeah, sure, <laughs> but, of course. But the interesting thing is that the Levites and the whole worship service and everything was there to promote. It was kind of the uh, uh, marketing. Oh, uh, that's a good way to say uh, it. For God. Yeah. yeah. And so, as and this is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, you, Christ whom you have sent. And so, his being known is how he's then. Uh, loved and how he a uh, relationship is established with mm. him. So the the Levites and the sanctuary service and you know the preaching of the word and all of these things are are things that allow his name to be spread, the, you know, the gospel to be spread, so that people can come to know him and love him and serve him. It's it's evangelism, yeah. right? It's the communicating of the message.
0: Remember how many times in yesterday's chapter, tithes and offerings. She talked about public worship, public worship, public worship, and she actually has a point. I could probably quickly find it, mm. Mm. where she says that the point of the temple, in large part, was so that, uh, in fact, let me just read you the opening sentence of yesterday's chapter. In the Hebrew economy, one-tenth of the income of the people was set apart to support the right. public right. worship of God. Okay, yeah. that's that's cha- uh, chapter yesterday's chapter, verse uh, first sentence. Tide now listen one. to today's first se- sentence to promote the assembling of the people for religious service as well as to provide for the poor, a second tithe of all the increase was required. So this is a really great point. Like there was an evangelistic purpose, Mm -hmm. an advertising purpose in the sanctuary. You know, inquiry is being made. Hey, what is this building and why do you do that? And who are these priests and why are they dressed like that? And what are these sacrifices? It's all, it has Mm -hmm. this like uh, advertising evangelistic function where this tithe Mm -hmm. that's being described here, these offerings that are being described here are just for, you know, what she's going to describe, those that have misfortune, sickness, mm-hmm. or loss of property. The yeah. poor, the underprivileged, the needy. Right. And we'll get to that more in just a bit. So, Nathan, if you would go to that paragraph that begins, and further provision was made. Uh, it should just be like maybe the second or third yeah. paragraph. Okay. Um, if you could just read uh, right up into where you've
1: highlighted, that'd be great. Okay. Well, up until? or Yeah, uh, excuse to... me, all the way to the end. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. And further provision was made for the poor. There is nothing, after their recognition of the claims of God, that more distinguishes the laws given by Moses than the liberal, tender, and hospitable spirit enjoined enjoined toward the poor. Mm -hmm. Although God had promised greatly to bless his people, it was not his design that poverty should be wholly unknown among them. That's fascinating. Fascinating.
0: (laughs) You and I both, I was just like, what?
1: And then when she gets to the end, anyway, we'll get there. Okay, so he declared that the poor should never cease out of the land. There would ever be those among his people who would call into exercise their sympathy, tenderness, and benevolence. Beautiful.
0: So I really love that sentence there, that there is nothing after the recognition of the claims of God that more distinguishes the laws given by Moses Mm. than the liberal tender and hospitable Spirit enjoined toward the poor. And Ellen White quotes, you know, a significant number, but not all of the passages found in Torah with regards to the poor. And there's a lot of them. God's like, don't forget, the poor, don't, forget the poor, don't 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 forget the poor. And then just remind yourself that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 25, when the whole thing comes down and it's the final judgment and God is adjudicating between those that loved him and loved him not, what does he say? I was. Naked, said, yeah. and you clothed me. Yeah. And I was in prison, yeah. and you visited me. I was hungry, and you fed me. Mm. So so this idea of caring for the poor and being attentive to the poor is not just like, a, oh yeah, don't forget that. It is central.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely central yeah. to the Old Testament Torah. Absolutely central to the New Testament. And Jesus said the whole of the judgment sort of hinges on this, how we orient ourselves toward... Those that are underprivileged and unfortunate mm-hmm. in our midst, because the way we treat them is like the way we would treat Jesus if he were here. So powerful. Yeah, I agree. So now mm-hmm. let's just talk briefly about, because she makes this point repeatedly, and it's a bit of a tough pill to swallow, but it's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. She says, and Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 26, verse 11, the poor mm-hmm. you will always have with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus said that. I looked up all the different translations or several of the, of the different English translations today. And Jesus said something like, every day for the rest of your life, there will be poor people. That was one translation. (laughs) So here she says that the idea that that there would be no poverty, no poor people, she said, that's not actually a thing Mm -hmm. that can be fixed. This is what I understand her to be saying, this side of the fall, that there's going to be people who Mm -hmm. are experienced misfortune, who have sickness, untimely death, loss of property. There's always going to be the haves and the Mm have-nots, and this is not to take uh, a posture of ambivalence or Mm laissez-faire. Well, they're poor. There's always going to be poor, but just to say that there will always be poor. Thus, there will always be the need to care for the poor, to be aware of the poor,
1: to attend to the poor. I found this fascinating. Oh, I, I think this is very interesting, and I've never really seen it from the perspective of God. God is making sure in some sense that there's always poor in mm. order to draw out of humanity uh, benevolence and uh, she says self-sacrifice. That. And yeah.
0: When she gets that, to the end, she's going to make this point where she literally says, the poor need the rich and the rich need the poor. Yeah. I mean, she
1: says that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I cut you off there. What were no, you going to say? No, that's, that's basically the idea that, that again, in the same way that tithe, the first tithe was made, not uh, that man was not made for for tithing but, How did yeah.
0: that go? The Sabbath was not made for the Sabbath was made for man. The tithe I think I said this wrong all day yesterday. The tithe was made for man, humankind, not humankind for there the tithe. Go. There, there it,
1: go. it is, in the same sense. So God is is working on using tithing in order to develop our character. Correct. And in the same sense that the second tithe has the same purpose, it's to develop in us a benevolent heart mm. and to to draw out of us and require out of us this uh, the sympathy, tenderness, and benevolence. Beautiful. And,
0: and you might be sitting there going, well, well, wait a minute. How come God doesn't just make it th- so that there are no poor? Well, that's just not the way it works. Yeah. It's not the way that a fallen world works. We've already talked in our lengthy supplemental session with Dr. Peckham and numerous places throughout. I mean, it basically works like this. People die untimely deaths. That's a thing that happens. You know, I've already mentioned that I lost three friends in the last few years, 53, 46, and 42. Mm-hmm. It happens. And if the breadwinner in a family dies and there's not life insurance, then you're going to have a situation where you have a a destitute, potentially a destitute situation. So because we live in a fallen world and a broken world, there are always going to be circumstances and situations where people will be needy, people will be poor, people will be underprivileged or have experienced misfortune. This is not a resignation like, well, there's always going to be poor. But it's to say, hey, we live in a fallen world, and there will never not be an opportunity to be a blessing to someone who has less than you.
1: Good, good, well well said. You like that? That, that the, the rich need the poor right. in order to have that opportunity to be able to be benevolent. Yeah, I can't wait to get to mm-hmm. that section. Good job.
0: So um, then basically the, the next sentence begins, the law of God gave the poor a right to a certain portion of the produce of the soil. This was one of the most fascinating things, and she says it repeatedly that the poor have a right, mm. right? Like mm. that, that they could come into the fields just mm. as Jesus and his disciples did in Matthew chapter 12. Mm. They could come into the fields and they could partake. And this wasn't stealing because you have a giant field mm. and the, the poor, the needy could come in. And it's not like they're harvesting and then selling your fruits. No, they're hungry. Right. And she says they have a right to that food. And then it goes on to say, look, mm. when you have gone through and gleaned your olives or you've gleaned your grapes, or whatever you've gleaned, your grain, or not gleaned, excuse me, when you've harvested it, don't go back over and get the gleanings. Let it, let it, because here's what happens. Okay, so for example, my wife is from Napa Valley or lived in Napa Valley for years, which is in the northern part of California. And there's just uh, wineries everywhere there, vineyards everywhere. Mm -hmm. If you've ever been up in sort of the Napa Valley area, it's just vineyard after vineyard after vineyard after vineyard. And Violetta's father would, he painted a lot of these vineyards and knew a lot of the people. And so what would happen was when they had gone through and harvested the first harvest of the grapes, mm-hmm. Zaki, Violeta's dad, would go up to these um, vineyards and he would say, hey, look, can I glean? Do you know what they say? Sure. Hmm. So just, just don't harm the vines. And yeah. so Zacky would pull up his Honda Accord and and we would just go through. I mean, I did this myself gleaning. Now, you don't get those giant clusters that they got on the first pass through, mm-hmm. but there would be smaller clusters hidden behind and sure, they got 90% of the fruit that was there. But if you let it sit for another week or two, mm-hmm. then those smaller clusters they grow, they fill up and you can get I mean, we would fill up trunks mm-hmm. of in his Honda Accord with grapes and then we'd go juice them. Now, he has, you know, 200 of his own grapevines, but back then Um, they would literally, these wineries that were for-profit wineries, think about that, for-profit wineries, and they would let locals that came and respectfully asked, can we go through and glean, and if it had been a good season, because what would happen is in the second harvest, my understanding is the sugar content isn't quite as high in the grapes, and so it doesn't make wine as well or whatever. Mm. So they're just going to rot on the vine. And so if somebody came up and respectfully asked, can we glean, they'd say, yeah, go through, just be careful with the vines. Yeah. So, I mean, if a for-profit winery can do that, this is just so sensible. Mm-hmm. God's like, don't go through a second time. That's for the poor. They have a right
1: to it. Boom. Yeah, yeah that, that's good. I actually highlighted that too when it says in that next paragraph, you know, when when thou gathers the grapes of the vineyard, thou shalt not glean it, it afterward. This uh <clears throat> this spoke to me. I I can sometimes have this kind of uh misery <laughs> you know i uh, in third world countries oh, i shared one of the stories there right <laughs> it's trying to find the oh, yeah. cheapest possible <laughs> yeah hostel. yeah yeah 4 and, pesos <laughs> 3 pesos right yeah. exactly and so sometimes in those those uh, uh, when you're bartering right i would try to well i just need to get the the lowest possible price until they they kind of start to cry and then you know okay that's <laughs> it's like no no it's like and so to not be so thorough Right th- to not be so uh, kind of fixated on on uh, getting the juice extracting out of, I mean, every <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> extracting the juice out of every grape, l- living with a little bit more liberality, a little bit more. And, and I love the, the fact that you use that word. She uses that word yeah. over and over again: liberal, liberality, liberty, and that the the health not only of the the people that are able to glean off of this, mm. but also the health of your own psychology. Correct. Correct. Living your life Correct. with a, a sense of excess uh, is very healthy uh, on, on our hearts. It's like so,
0: what we talked about yesterday, the scarcity no. mindset versus the abundance exact, or prosperity, prosperity mindset. So yeah. then at the end there, she says, you know, there's this great... not." She says, Moses reminds them, this is in Deuteronomy 24 and Leviticus 19, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. In mm-hmm. other words, translation, you know what it's like mm-hmm. to be in need. You know what it's like to not have two nickels to rub together. You know what it's like to be poor. Remember, you were poor. Remember, you were poor. And so be mindful toward those around you that are still poor. Okay, then she, and I'm just moving us right along here, Nathan. Yeah. She then gets into this great idea of the sabbatical year, right? That the land was farmed for six years and then rested on the sabbatical year. She makes several really interesting points here that on that seventh year, that there wasn't, so, you know, this is, she's quoting here uh, Exodus 23 and Leviticus 25. I'm on page 652, that on that sabbatical year that you weren't supposed to go prune, you weren't supposed to harvest, and if anything spontaneously grew, here again, it was the right of the poor. Mm -hmm. And she even says um, it was for the fatherless, the widow, and even for the creatures of the field. Mm. That is so awesome, right? Even for the animals. And then she makes this really, you know, cool point that, well, how are they going to survive if they take that seventh year off and Mm -hmm. let the ground lie fallow. And the answer was um, that God would really bless them in the sixth year. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, well, this is like the manna. This is really putting your trust in God and saying, God, I need you to come through on this sixth year because the seventh year is just going to be whatever the ground brings forth naturally. And that's largely for the poor and the creature of the field. I mean, what a cool economy. That's that's so
1: awesome. I just (laughs) love it. The idea of up payment too that we were talking about yes. yesterday, where you're you're in obedience to God, but it's in the surplus, right? He's already blessed you on the sixth. Come year. on now, come on. So now you can be greedy, correct, and have avarice, which I learned the, the yeah. meaning of that just, yep. Yep. <laughs> just yep. today, or you can be trustful and grateful and and this is another idea. So this idea of living with prosperity, if if I were to say I take every seventh year and take the entire year for uh, vacation. Ooh. Come on now. Well, you would think, boy, this guy is... Right? He's living large. That even, and, and this was another area, and I think maybe we'll get to it, but the, uh, the servants were also given a year of course. off. Yeah, well, they, they were just
0: released. They were released. The, yeah, the Hebrew with,
1: slaves were released on the seventh year. With bounty, right? With, right. With the, the yeah, Yeah, don't
0: send them out empty-handed, like yeah. severance pay. And you think about yeah. that, the idea of severance, to cut loose. So when you send those people out, mm. don't send them out empty-handed. Give them something yeah. to... Give them some seeds, give them so some food, poppy. give them some... Res- I mean, it's just so... It's mm. so egalitarian. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so mutual. It, it feels like we're a part... We're all on the same team. Yep. Hey, you had a hard you know, you had a rough go, you lost your husband, you lost your son, you, okay, so we're here as a community to rally around you, and just remember that when we see that word servant here in this context, or sometimes translated slave, that these were, don't get the picture in your mind of like the transatlantic Chattel slavery of, you know, the Americas and the Caribbean, that's not what was going on, what would happen is, is if you were destitute, like I'm down and out, and let's say I'm in a bad way here, Nathan, and Nathan is a landowner, and he has a lot of resources, I could go to Nathan a little bit like Jacob did with Laban and I could indenture myself to you and Mm -hmm. say, hey, I got nothing, but I've got, I've got hands and I've got hard work and I've got skill. Can I come and live on your quarters? And Mm -hmm. and in the case of Jacob, you know, marry your daughter. (laughs) Can I come and work for you? So, so this is very important. It was much closer to like an employee employment relationship. Don't think slave Mm -hmm. again in the transatlantic sense. That's not what's going on here. I'm indenturing myself to a, to a landlord or somebody who has resources. I'm bringing my skill. I'm bringing my, my, my hard work. And I can only do this for a period of up to six years because on the seventh year, I'm going to be set free. Mm -hmm. It's a good system.
1: Yeah. I I like that. a lot. It's
0: like kind of like sweat equity. Can I also say, I love this idea. It's, she's talking about the sabbatical year, Mm -hmm. which even today, like in universities, people go on sabbaticals, Mm -hmm. right? Um, all enjoyed greater leisure. Yeah. So on that seventh year, and, and I'll tell you, my wife and I did this. We did this thing where we worked for seven years in Australia. That's just the way that it turned out. We worked for seven years in the church there. And we said, before we go back to the United States of America, we're going to drive around. We're going to go see this great land called Australia. Originally, it was supposed to be a three-month trip. We saved up money. We started saving for this trip two and a half years out. Mm. Saving, putting, squirreling money away a little bit of money here. But as it turned out, because of COVID, we were able to turn that three-month trip into a, like, five-month trip. Mm. And I tell you this, Nathan, here's the truth. We lived in tents for five months. We, I mean, we occasionally stayed in an Airbnb because we had to do laundry. But we, like, lived in the outback, and it was in COVID, so there were not a lot of people out there. Mm. All we were focused on was seeing birds and seeing the landscape. That was it. Birds, birds, birds landscape lands, And it was just us. And Landon, uh, our oldest son, did come with us for about three weeks of it. And Jable came for about three weeks as well. Mm-hmm. But I tell you this, the love that we had for one another, I mean, we're just uninterruptedly with one another all day, every day, all day, every day. And all we cared about was birds and cooking food. You know, we made our food and we watched birds. Look for birds, look for birds, look for birds. Look for birds. And we were sleeping out under the stars. I mean, I tell you, I told Violetta, even when we were in the midst of it, I was saying, this will be one of the highlights of our life. Awesome. I mean, how often are you just like, hey, here's five months off. And again, it was supposed to be three, but then the COVID thing made it easier to stay because mm-hmm. America was in a real pinch at the time. So we just said, well, we're just going to extend it. Mm-hmm. And when we were in the middle of it, you just could tell, we were, we were on holy ground,
1: man. Yeah, awesome.
0: We were on holy ground. And I actually think there's some real wisdom in this. If you can pull it off to take mm-hmm. not just a normal two-week vacation, but you know, every seven years, every six years, every eight years, whatever you can pull off, you know, take a month, take two months, be looking forward. I've got a good pastoral friend right now who's taking eight months off to do the same kind of thing with his family.
1: That's so good. And I just like this. I, I love that. I mean,
0: it kind of just happened to us. It wasn't like a big plan that we had. It wasn't certainly wasn't like, hey, we're taking a sabbatical year, but it just worked out that way. And I I think it's, I think I'll do it again.
1: I, I love that. I, I think that's really important. And, uh, Will you read that whole paragraph that you put which one? Out, the leisure out of? Yeah, yeah.
0: The observance, uh, page 652, the observance of the sabbatical year was to be a benefit to both the land and the people. Mm-hmm. The soil lying untilled for one season would afterward produce more plentifully. The people were released from the pressing labors of the field, and while there were various branches of work that could be followed during this time, all enjoyed greater leisure, which afforded opportunity for the restoration of their physical powers, for the exertions for the following years. They had more time for meditation and prayer, for acquainting themselves with the teachings and requirements of the Lord and for the instruction of their households. Okay. That's exactly this. our experience.
1: I, I love this because <clears throat> it's the same principle that we see where you're more productive working six days and resting one. You're actually more productive, is what God is saying here. You're, you're gonna be more productive right. when you work six years and rest one. Right. And when you Understand and Ellen White's really big on this too that the family is the fabric of society. Correct. How powerful, how no. how good for society no, would not it be wrong. if the parents took that time off of the the d- daily labors, took a whole year to invest in their kids. Mm. Like how many less uh, prisons would we be filling, and how mm. how much more abundance? So that the the abundance and plentifulness and uh, just beauty. Of a whole society that's engaging in this on a regular basis, and focusing on their God children. Adding the increase, it's this faith walk as well.
0: And, and just to be clear, in this chapter, in this particular paragraph, she doesn't say that the entire year was off. You didn't know. She said there were different kinds of labors that you could do, but that really, like nose to the grindstone, mm. working hard, you could back off. Because she literally says, mm. she says there were various branches of work that could be followed during this time. All enjoyed greater leisure, not outright leisure. Wow. So, so it doesn't mean that you have to take a whole year off. I mean, a lot of people couldn't right. do that financially. I suppose if you could, that would be amazing. But it's like, hey, during that period, we're gonna scale back a little bit. We're gonna focus on our kids. We're gonna yeah. take a two or a three-month trip if we can afford it. We're gonna, we're going to be intentional in that, you know, sort of every yeah. seventh year to pour into our children. And if you think about this, Nathan, if you're gonna have your kids till they're basically 18, mm-hmm. You're, you're really only going to get to do that twice, right? If you do wow. it every seven years.
1: Yeah, good point.
0: Um, because let's say you do it like the first time when they're like seven, because that's about when they would, mm. you know, be able to appreciate it, understand it. You know, you take your kids all around when they're three and four, you know, they don't care if they're in the backyard or on a you know Mediterranean cruise. <laughs> so when they're seven though, they're getting it. So there's number one. Then you do it again when they're kind of mid-teens. I have a very good friend. He's one of the most mm. beautiful, godly people I know. And he did one of the smartest things, very similar to this. And this is what he did. He had three children and he said to each of his children, I will take you, and he told them this early on, anywhere you want to go when you turn 16 for a two or three week vacation, wherever you want to go, pick it right now. And it's just going to be you and the parents. One child, not all of the kids, just this one child and the parents. And then the other two children would be, you know, uh, well, they were older at that point. Um, And I just thought that's so smart. Like it was special these kids were looking forward to this trip from the time they were 12. Oh, Dad, I want to go to Denmark. No, Dad, I want to go to Africa, wherever you want to go. And they're squirreling this money away. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about it, if you did this mm-hmm. twice, if you have children, you do it when they were about seven, mm-hmm. and then you do it when they were about in their mid-teens, and then, you know, on that third sabbatical year, they'd be like in their early 20s, and they're living their own lives, and they're going to college, or they're married, yep. or whatever. Wow. So it's it That's when you point. break it down like that, it's it goes by quick.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: good point. It goes by quick. Um, so I'm just going to keep, keep my foot on the gas here. Um, so she mentions the point about this Hebrew slaves are to be set free on the sabbatical year. Um, I'm now over on page 653. If I skip over anything, Nathan, let me know. She then gets into the idea of, of lending money without interest or without usury. And she says that, Yeah, you are not to make a profit when people, when people are hurting, when people are needy. If they have to borrow money from you, fine, lend them money, but you do not do it with interest. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I really like this idea that you get the sense here that everybody's on the same team. Exactly. Right? This is not an unbridled capitalism. I think there are I think there are elements of capitalism here because you know, if you work harder then you will, I mean, there's a really one-to-one relationship between how hard you work and how much you reap and how much you harvest. So that's kind of capitalism in a nutshell, but it's not an unbridled capitalism where all that matters is the bottom line. No, it's kind of like, hey, we're all on the same team here. And something I just have to say that's extremely important is, remember, this is all for Israel. And Israel, and I think a lot of people might have missed this, Israel was a voluntary society. In other words, you could opt out, You could say, yeah, I'm a descendant of Abraham, but I'm out. I'm going to go worship Baal. I'm going to go worship Moloch. I'm out of here. I'm not going to worship any gods. So so these commands are not requirements in the same way that the government of the United States of America or the government of Canada or the government of Mexico can say, you have to do this. Well, that's compulsory. That's a different thing. Israel was voluntary. These people are voluntarily choosing to go into the promised land, choosing to return a tithe. That's voluntary. Choosing to return the second tithe. So don't think for a moment that the things that we're reading here is Ellen White's commentary on modern economic theory. It's not. Mm -hmm. This is more how the church should work, Mm -hmm. right? This is why when we get to Acts chapter 4, it says that everybody pooled their resources and nobody called what they had their own. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't Rome demanding that. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a forced, you know, sort of social equality, financial equality, kind of a forced egalitarianism. Mm -hmm. It's voluntary. And the importance of this cannot be overstated. Yeah. This isn't government top-down this is you voluntarily saying, I'm going to do this. This isn't a cult. Yeah, exactly. And it's not a government. Right. So if you're looking to a governmental system or an economic system to try and do this, you can't Mm -hmm. because at the center of this is what? The worship of Yahweh, trust in Yahweh, belief in Yahweh. And so if you're like, man, America, well, yeah, guess what? America is a secular religious system, certainly with Judeo-Christian values. But there is no exact one-to-one or apples to or-, or oranges to oranges comparison between the United States of America as a secular government and what she's describing here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But there sure could be in the church. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. In the church, that's a whole different situation because we are voluntarily there, and when there are needy people in our community, we shouldn't be saying, "Well, there's government programs." They're in our community. Yeah, God has entrusted the. These are the people in our sphere of influence. What can we do to lift them up? And we see that's exactly what happened in the early church, Acts 4 and other Mm -hmm. passages. You got anything on that, Nathan? Mm,
1: No, it's good. Good stuff.
0: Okay, so now um, I'm going to go to the bottom of page 653. There's a paragraph that begins, none need fear. Oh, you're right there. Um, This is page 533 of the original. Nathan, if you would read that paragraph, that would
1: be amazing. None need fear. Yeah. None need fear that their liberality would bring them to want. Obedience to God's commandments would surely result in prosperity. Love that. Thou shalt lend unto many nations, he said, but thou shalt not borrow. And thou shalt reign over many nations, but they they shall not reign over thee. Deuteronomy 15.6.
0: Yeah, so the point here is this doesn't make sense. Right? Like, like (laughs) you should not be able to take Sabbath off and be a successful businessman. I had a a friend of mine from years ago not a close friend but somebody that I really liked and he ran the number one used car business in a given in a in the town I was in the number one top year after year after year top and they kept sabbath yep they kept sabbath and and when he first opened up this car business everybody was like how could saturday's the number one day or maybe the number two day second only to sunday That's not that's the number one day to sell cars you can't close yep. on sabbath And he said, no, we're going to close on Sabbath. We're going to honor God with our business. And the Lord blessed that business. They were a business of integrity. They were a business of, they did well. They had great service. They had a high reputation in the community. And everybody knew, oh yeah, Saturday's Mm off. And that doesn't make any sense. Giving a tithe of your income and then even perhaps a second tithe to the poor. Oh, that's a great way to end up poor. And she says, no, not actually, because you are leaning into Yahweh's faithfulness. And even though it doesn't make any sense From a secular standpoint, or a numerical standpoint, or a pure accountancy standpoint, when you're leaning into Jehovah, God's
1: got this. And isn't that interesting that she puts in that word "surely"? Right, obedience to God's commandments would surely result in prosperity. This wasn't a a a possibility. This was a. (laughs) I gotta tell you a story. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's it. That's.
0: uh, Okay, I gotta tell you a story. This is a great story. This just came to my mind. You're gonna love this. Okay. So I have a friend, he's a very successful businessman and just an one of the coolest guys. He and his wife are amazing. She's brilliant. She's been right with him in business from the start and they are they are, you know, wildly successful. Okay, so this is a funny story. Probably 20 years ago or 15 years ago, I don't know the exact time, but about 2 decades ago he went to this and he was, you know, he was doing well, but, you know, there's always, you know, more deals to be made and more money to be made. And he was on the come up and he went to a big, um, mm. he went to a big like business convention where a bunch of like gurus, business gurus were speaking. Yeah. And uh, even though he was a successful businessman already, you know, you want to take that next step. You want to level mm. up. Right. So there was a person there, I don't know, know who the person was, but somebody that you could wait in a line, you had to make an appointment and then you could wait in a line and have like a... 3 minute interview with this business guru mm. and you had to pay and you had to sign up and so there was like 12 people in this line and um what my friend was in this line you're going to love this story so my friends in this line and uh you know he, you're a business person, you know, you're standing next to other, you know, upwardly mobile, passionate business people. Mm -hmm. And so you just strike up a conversation while you're waiting, because everybody gets their sort of two to three minutes with the guy that they all want to ask whatever their question is. So my friend's in line, and he strikes up a conversation with the guy next to him. And uh, he says, so you know what, what, you know, what kind of business are you doing? And what what are you going to do? And, and uh, my friend said to me, when I talked to the guy in the line and he told me his business idea, he said, I just laughed inside. And I thought, this guy's this guy's not going to make any money. <laughs> this this, is, this plan is not going to work.
1: Right. Bad
0: plan. Going nowhere. Sorry. But he said, I didn't say that, obviously. I just right. chuckled inside of myself. I thought, well, that's not going to work. So then I said, or he says to me, you want to hear what his plan was? And I said, yeah, what was his plan? This is what he said. This is the guy he was standing next to in line. You ready for this? Yeah. He said... Um, I got this idea. Uh, What I want to do is I want to open up a a restaurant, and uh, all we're going to do is sell chicken, only chicken, and we're just going to have a simple chicken sandwich with some mayonnaise, a couple pickles, and a a chicken patty, and uh, we're going to be closed on Sundays. And then my friend was like, that'll never make any money. Guess who it was? He was standing in line next to the guy that founded Chick-fil-A, no Yeah, like, like the number two, <laughs> you know, uh, a restaurant in the nation now, wildly successful, no closed on Sundays, you know, overtly Christian. Wow. So it's just such a great story. And it's so funny because when my friend, who at the time was not a believer, not a Christian, when he's standing next to this guy that's like, yeah, I got this crazy business idea. I want to just yeah. do only chicken, no burgers, no nut, just chicken. And we're going to be closed on Sundays. My friend was like, you know, inside, he's like, that'll never work. No way. And, you know, not that Sunday keeping is biblical. We know that it's not. But God meets people where they're at. And this person's heart in that moment, in that situation, was in the right place. And God says, him that honors me, I will honor. And it just goes to show, wow. if God can if God can wink at ignorance, which he does. The Bible says that in Acts chapter 17. If God can wink at our ignorance, how much can God bless us if we're really keeping Sabbath? And we're returning tithe. Yeah. In other words, if God can bless at what's not thoroughly, biblically, what's not biblically truthful, if God can wink, wink, nod, nod at that, mm. how much more can God pour out His Spirit on the Sabbath, on the tithe, on the sabbatical year, on the... Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Oh, Incredible. I, I thought
1: you would like that story. No, that's powerful. Beautiful. Yeah, one of the things that really kind of jumped out to me in this chapter too was this, uh, especially, I don't know what it's like in... in all the different parts in the the world. But definitely here in the United States, we have an addiction to the uh you know the joneses following the Joneses oh yeah yeah keeping up to where you're you're constantly leveraging what you have for more and more mm. and more yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, and so yeah if you get a higher paying job you get that raise then you get a, a bigger mortgage on a bigger yeah, house exactly. with another car yeah, exactly and uh and so we're in this pattern i remember hearing in my teen years a, a story that really stuck with me which was i think it was somebody uh i forget what uh european nation it was but the guy walks in to his employer and he says, "I paid my house off. I gave my last house house payment in." Without even asking a question, he moved him down to three days a week uh, working at his at his shop. And uh, I just thought, "Wow, that's so so interesting." That when the needs were met, mm. when there was uh, you know enough interesting that that he then diminished the amount of time that he was spending in in the grind. Interesting. And man, I so that's what I saw here was this balance of not letting, because it's hmm. so easy to have our busyness consume us. Correct. To, to the point that when we do get that day off, you know, a lot of people will go on vacation and they'll feel like jittery and like-, so you, you, <laughs> can't even, like you can't even disengage. Right. You, you, it's like an addiction to where, you know, you start getting the shakes if you don't have your caffeine every day or whatever. It's like that we're so addicted to the adrenaline and the you know, the having to be in the, the rat race that we don't even know how to be still and know that he's gone. We don't need we don't know how to have that, that stillness of the soul that Ellen White says makes more distinct. The voice of God. Yeah, come apart next and so, a while. Yeah, I, I that thought again. My brain is a lot slower this time around. No, you're doing great. But this well, that we just covered back here, where it says they had more time for meditation and prayer. Yeah, for acquainting themselves with the teachings of the requirements of the Lord, and for instruction of their household.
0: When when Violet and I went on this trip that I was talking about around Australia, man, when you Because we didn't own a house, we were sleeping in a tent, and we just did this for months. Mm. And it was low cost. Mm. It was very low cost, right? Like we were eating food from a grocery store, you know, cooking up beans, low cost. Mm -hmm. And you get into the rhythms of nature. You start going to bed when the sun goes down. Because we needed to be up early because we want to be up when the birds are up, or even before they're up. Mm. And you just get into these these rhythms of nature, and you do not... We do not realize, Nathan, how insulated we are from nature, Mm. how cut off we are, because... There is this connection, I just want to say this, and I don't want to get too mystical here and freak anybody out, but there is an incredible, mysterious connection between human beings and the earth and the Mm -hmm. land. I mean, we were literally, Adam was made of the earth, made of the dust. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul talks about how the whole earth groans awaiting the the redemption of the sons of God, right? Mm-hmm. The revelation of the sons of God. Totally. And when we live in the world that we live in right now, where we live in these boxes and we drive boxes and we work in boxes and they're like, the the air conditioning is just right or the heating is just right. And it's all, mm-hmm. we are so insulated from the elements from nature mm-hmm. that when you go, which is why we go backpacking every year, it's just so, imp- but I tell you, man, mm-hmm. you don't realize how in the modern rat race you are until you literally Take a month or two and just live in harmony with nature. You're just camping, you're whatever, looking for birds, or you're backpacking, or you're hiking. I have, I have a good friend that hiked the Appalachian Trail recently. It took him five months, mm. and he just said it's a whole. It's yeah. it's almost like the whole world is living one way, and you're like living in your own world here. Yeah. It's very John the Baptist, where you're yeah. like just in harmony with God, and the and the birds sound better, and the stars are brighter, mm. and the sun is. I mean I tell people all so the time true. when you go backpacking water tastes better food you're sitting eating you know just like food that <laughs> you like so like true. hydrated backpacker <laughs> meals and you're like this is the best food I That's have so ever cute. eaten and you drink water you're like wow this is the best and you sleep even though you're on a mat
1: yeah.
0: like man I never slept like that before because you're working for it you're in harmony with nature oh. and I just strongly 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 encourage people if they can yeah. make time get outdoors Backpack, go fishing, go climbing, go hiking, get in the rhythm, go bird watching, whatever your thing is. Mm. Mm. Try
1: to get away from the artificiality of modern life. So here's a principle that we can apply to the minutiae as well as the, the grand uh, picture here. Yeah. Your day, you might think, my day is going to be more productive if I get to it right away. Mm. Uh, Luther said, on my busiest days, I make sure that I spend at least two hours in prayer. Yeah, that's right. Elise quoted that too, right? Yeah, that's totally. Great. And so, uh, when we recognize that our efficiency actually increases the more that we are uh, communing with the Father, beautiful. So we have that on a daily basis. Uh, Daniel spent three times a, a day on his knees. This incredible uh, person. We see that, and then then there's a weekly cycle. The weekly also, cycle. I see what you're the doing seventh, here. The that's day. right. That's right. Now we see a seven year cycle that also as we disconnect and i man my heart really resonated with this was just like this oh i've been sensing more of this call on my heart like to just disconnect take, yeah exactly take time to deepen the relationship that i have with with god and with my family too beautiful and then we have not only that but every 7 weeks or seven years. Right? Yeah, Remember that's it? right. So they would do the seven the, the, times the jubilee, seven, right? The, the Jubilee. Well, and then jubilee. tomorrow's
0: lesson is on the annual feast. So there were also the yeah. annual feasts that were like the Feast of Booths. That were Sabbaths. That were set, were yeah. t- time to come apart, oh, yeah. to sing songs, to pray, to wow. rejoice. Like Jesus wasn't kidding when he said, come apart and yeah. rest a while. And we are just so trapped. Yeah in the rhythms of modernity that we think more, more, more. Ah, you know, there's a principle in backpacking. And, and if you're not a backpacker, you might not get this. But if you are, you'll understand. This is how it works. If, if you have, a say, a 40-liter backpack, okay, that's the size of a backpack. If you have a 40-liter backpack, you'll fill it up. Yeah. If you go <laughs> exactly. to the store and you buy a 50-liter backpack, you'll fill that up. Yep. If you buy a 60-liter backpack, you'll fill that up. Now the backpack's getting very heavy. If you buy an 80-liter backpack, people say, no, I'm just going to buy it in case I need more room. Oh, no, no, no. You'll fill it up. Okay, so too. Totally. We just, it's just whatever the amount of space is. If you, you see this all the time. People have this much money and then they make this much money and they don't just start squirreling money away and becoming Mm. more generous. A better car, a bigger house a newer boat, because you're just filling up that space. But if you can be disciplined and be content, one of my favorite uh, uh, podcasts that I listen to occasionally and and accounts that I follow on Instagram and Twitter, and if you're not following them, you should check it out. It's called The the Minimalists. Mm. And they did a documentary several years ago. And it's just about intentionally living a minimalist lifestyle. Like how much do I really need and when we are content, yep. when God then pours His blessing upon us, we don't have to say, "Oh, now I can,
1: now I can fill my backpack up even more." Yeah, yeah. The whole tearing down the barns and building other ones. Exactly. And that's such a powerful parable because He's saying your soul is is called from you now. Now what are you going to do? Is with that Luke twelve? I don't know. I think that's Luke twelve. Yeah, um, it's like He's He's been blessed with this incredibly uh, bountiful uh, harvest, and rather than filling the barns of his neighbor. He builds another barn for himself, and th- this whole chapter, right, is focused so so much on when I am blessed bountifully, to then start filling my neighbors' barns, and being a blessing to the to those around me. Looks like it's not Luke twelve. It's I, maybe Luke fourteen. I just love that parable. Yeah, beautiful. Got, hey, and now I'm
0: going to build bigger barns, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just but, what but you he need. says. You fool. Yeah, you fool. Tonight you, your life will be required. Yeah. Um, okay. So then she talks about the jubilee. We won't spend it. I don't. We don't have to spend a ton of time on the Jubilee, but the Jubilee was seven sevens, and then the 50th year was the Jubilee year. And a lot of things happened here. Of course, the slaves, servants were also released just as on the sabbatical year. But the big one here was that the land went back mm-hmm. to the ancestral owners, and this was a yep. big reset. Yep. You know, even today, it's known that one of the number one indicators of generational poverty or generational wealth is land ownership,
1: Yep.
0: right? Like, if you can own your house you are so far ahead of the game. And then if, if, if like Mm -hmm. uh, your parents say owned their house or two houses, then that helps you. This is called generational wealth. And then let's say you add a house to that. All of a sudden Mm -hmm. you're just so ahead of the curve here. And the idea here, and she talks about this at the close of the chapter is offsetting these extremes Mm -hmm. of generational poverty and generation colossal fortunes. And the reset on this on the Jubilee year was designed to get every family back to the, where they could start over. Mm. They, you, you hit a rough patch, yep. you know, maybe an untimely death, an accident, something happened, but it just wouldn't go on uninterruptedly into the future. The Jubilee was a reset. And when Jesus arrives, Luke chapter 4, he starts couching his own mission in the language, the Isaiah language of Jubilee, to set at liberty the captives, to proclaim mm-hmm. the acceptable year of the Lord. It's this whole... Hey, Jim. It's this whole jubilee context. And when we think about the jubilee, it's beautiful, right? The slaves are set free. The debts are forgiven. The ancestral land... Mm-hmm. Uh, the land goes back to its ancestral owners. It's an economic, spiritual, mm. familial reset. And it's such a cool idea. I just love yeah,
1: it. Absolutely. I think it makes so much sense.
0: Um, That's probably all... I mean... I, I would really really like to just read this section on page 655 that begins the Lord would place a check upon the inordinate love.
1: Yeah, I, I love this uh this paragraph here, but you're probably Where are you at? That. The so lo- this if is the law 536
0: uh paragraph well, next page,
1: 1 if the law.
0: But yeah, where yeah? want to read where that are whole are section.
1: So it's 536 paragraph 1. How do, Oh yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it just it, it shows but, I mean the, the last two yeah. the, to,
0: just to, do it. The last two and a half pages here are gold. Absolutely. I mean just pure gold. Yep. And I, I'll, I'll just say a few things here, Nathan, and then I'll give you the last word, and then we'll do our rubric. Perfect. I love, love, love the point she makes about social equality,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that these regulations that were given, built into the very fiber of the Hebrew economy, was designed to be a blessing not only to the poor, but also to the rich. She literally says, mm-hmm. I'm reading here, these regulations yep. were designed to bless the rich no less than the poor they would restrain avarice which is greed or covetousness excessive. and a disposition for self-exaltation and would cultivate a noble spirit of benevolence by fostering goodwill and confidence between all classes Beautiful. they would promote social order the stability of government we are and then this to me was the the best line in the whole thing the whole thing this was the top line for me we are all woven together mm. in the great web of humanity and whatever we can do to benefit and uplift others will reflect in blessing upon ourselves. That's the best sentence yeah, in the whole thing as far as I'm concerned. I thought it was amazing. Nathan, I'll give you the last word.
1: Mm. Or two yeah, words so, if you so need. All right, let me read this paragraph here. So it's five. Begins eight. with what? It, it, if the law. If the law. Yep. says, if the law given by God for the benefit of the poor had continued to be carried out how different would be the present condition of the world? Correct. Morally, spiritually, and temporally. Amazing. Selfishness and self-importance would not be manifested as now, but hmm. each would cherish a kind regard for the happiness and welfare of, of others. others.
0: We're all on the same team.
1: Yes, and such widespread uh, widespread destitution as is now seen in many lands would not exist. Incredible. I mean, the last two pages here are, are gold. Oh. Absolutely powerful. You got anything, Nathan, you want to add to that? Mm. Let me just read this last paragraph. It says, The principles which God has enjoined would prevent the terrible evils that in all ages have resulted from the oppression of the rich toward the poor and the uh, suspicion and, and hatred, hatred of the poor towards the yeah, rich. Notice she says it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that, that knife cuts both ways. Yep. Yep. While they might hinder the ama- uh, amassment of great wealth and the indulgence of unbounded luxury, they would prevent the consequence of...
0: The consequent, the consequent ignorance.
1: ignorance and degradation of tens of thousands whose ill-paid servitude is required to build up these uh, colossal fortunes. They would bring a peaceful solution of those problems that now threaten to fill the world with anarchy, anarchy and, and, bloodshed. and bloodshed.
0: Man, that's cool. Cr- I mean, she's you basically know. talking about class warfare there. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And
0: yeah. these are the, this is the days in which we're living right now. Oh. And the reason that we're living in these days is people are not... Living according to the economic principles that God gave to the Jews. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it was something I found myself doing is like, oh, uh and I, I hate to bring politics into it, but let me just bring it in because this is good. Yeah, wait in. I, I kept thinking, wow, oh, oh, she's a she's a Democrat, but then, <laughs> but then like a few few paragraphs <laughs> I, later, I had I'd the be same like, thought. oh, she's a. I'm like, oh, <laughs> she's man, a Republican. <laughs> my Democrat friends would love what she's writing. here Exactly. And then like.
0: Three paragraphs later, I'm like, my Republican (laughs) friends would love it. Because here's the thing. Here's what she's saying. She's saying, you are responsible for you. She's saying that. She's clearly saying because there was a direct one-to-one relationship between your hard work, your energy, your ingenuity, and the harvest of your field. Exactly. Right? If you were lazy, you're not going to get as much as the industrious, hardworking, clear thinking person. So she sounds like a Republican. Yeah, But then... There are just circumstances that are outside of people's control. Sickness, illness, untimely death, misfortune. Well, what do we do with those people? Hey, you need to get off your butt and get to work. No, (laughs) these are different. So then she sounds like a Democrat. But then she sounds like a
1: Republican. And then she sounds like a Democrat. I love it. It's so balanced. And and, uh, I loved Ben Carson back in the prayer that he did in, in 2013. Uh, he was talking about this eagle that we have in the United States and how it has two wings, and we need to have both wings in order for it to fly. Mm. And I think, man, I, just in these last oh, I don't know, four, four or five years, we've just seen such polarization between the Democrats and the Republicans mm. to where it's like I can't be your friend anymore because Mercy. you are this or you're that. Mercy, and not seeing that there's Lord help us, there's this balance act that's going on. Yes, if re- if the Republicans. Have too much power for too long, it could uh, tip the scale this way. Same thing here, correct. And, and but when we become so polarized and stop having the conversation, have, mm. stop having that balancing act, then uh, oh, it just it it destroys yeah. the very fabric of society. No, you're exactly
0: right. I mean, there is an incivility right now in the United States that is, yeah, and not just in the United it's States, brutal. but everywhere. But but Christians must not should. Must rise above this. Amen. I don't mind. You can be a Democrat all you want. One of my closest friends is like a die-hard Democrat, but he understands that his identification as a Democrat is so far subordinated to his to his identity as a follower of Jesus, Amen. as a Christian. Amen. You can be a Repu- I don't mind. You can be a Republican. Me personally, I try not to you know identify either way. I, I find some things about one party to be attractive. Neither, no, none of the parties that currently exist fit me like a a good garment, Mm -hmm. right? They fit in some areas, but they're tied in others. And at the end of the day, we are Christians first and foremost. Amen Amen. and amen. And as far as, you know, the various policies, you know, the the, the politicians are not going to fix this. That's the thing. That's the bottom line. It's just not going to be fixed. (laughs) I got news for you. The Republicans, are not gonna fix the world. The world is broken, maybe you didn't know that. It's fundamentally (laughs) fallen. And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and um, no Republican is fixing that. And no, neither is a Democrat. Now we can work for more egalitarian, more fair, more Mm -hmm. just systems, amen and amen. But the church should operate entirely distinct from all of this, voluntarily pooling our energies, pooling our resources, pooling our talents, to build up the kingdom of God on earth. And never, ever, ever should we obfuscate or or lose clarity on how different the kingdom of heaven is, how different yeah. the kingdom of God is. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world or my servants would be fighting to prevent me from being handed over. So so no problem. You want to be a Fox News person, that's your business. You want to be a BBC person, your business. You want to be a CNN person, your business. Mm-hmm. But don't ever think that you can so identify with these Artificial distinctions that are being foisted upon you largely by the media, anyway, and, and that thrive on division and thrive on tension and, and thrive honest,
1: on polarization. On, honestly, I think
0: uh, I'm I preaching think, now. I mean, oh, you you open the political oh, box oh. And now. I'm like,
1: <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> jumped in with all fours. Honestly, as somebody that has spent a fair amount of time getting into the weeds in the in the political world, uh, I think I would discourage. Watching CNN or Fox News <laughs> or BBC. <laughs> I mean, honestly, just because the the narrative no longer is trying to get at truth, right? It's trying to uh, bully the the other side, right? And and so yeah, it's yeah, become this a very reacts to this, reacts to this, reacts to this, and then the gap just, just widens, 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 so, widens, widens. And neither neither side is is the ideal, right? The ideal right. is somewhere right. Jesus in
0: the is the ideal, my yeah. right,
1: friends. Absolutely,
0: Jesus is the ideal. Okay, yeah. so you know what Proverbs chapter eleven verse twenty five says. The generous soul will be made rich, and he that waters will be watered himself.
1: Wow, beautiful.
0: Okay, Nathan, let's do our rubric here. This was a fiery chapter.
1: We skipped over a bunch of great stuff. But what was the point of this chapter? All right, let me find my point here. All right, point. so the point to me was humankind have a tendency toward imbalance and selfishness. God's laws were given to bring balance and benevolence into the human heart. Ooh, I like that.
0: Balance and benevolence. Yeah, well said. To show God's care of and provision for the poor in and through His law, Mm. His economic principles, and chiefly, His people. Beautiful. Um, Hey, what do we learn about God in this chapter? Mm. What do we learn about
1: the person? (laughs) You're going to laugh at mine. (laughs) God desires the good of all humankind. Yes, He does. And He has a special place in His heart for the poor. Ooh! by the way, Jesus was poor. Well, he was. Right. Remember
0: Jesus said, you know, when they said, hey, master, we're going to come and stay at your place. They probably thought he had some luxurious mansion, John 1. And he's like, hey, listen, birds have nests. And, yeah. and uh, this is actually in a, a slightly different place. This is where he said, come and see when they said, where do you live? But this is when the guy said, hey, I'm going to follow you, but let me bury my father first. said, birds have nests? And foxes
1: have their little dens. I don't have, I don't have a place to sleep tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one more word on what we were just talking about there. So sometimes the ideals that we uh, have in our minds for what a society should look like aren't actually after the divine imprint. Mm. Like, for me, it was a surprise that it was like God had secured the fact that there was always going to be poor. In Hmm. other words, this was part of his program, his kind of rehabilitation program for our sinful hearts and so we might think the ideal is to eradicate poor and then we but god sees it differently in this fallen right. human world he sees the poor as a necessary component to draw out the the or to eradicate selfishness and uh, replace it with
0: benevolence and, and and it's just i don't think it's even possible in a fallen world where misfortune happens untimely deaths accidents industrial mm-hmm. accidents farm accidents people are not going to be able yeah. to work so the idea that we can just get rid of poverty, and I know, mm. you know, just to wade very slightly back into the political realm, the idea that we'll just give people money. Let me tell you, work is a blessing for human beings. Labor is a blessing. Just to give people money to sit there and do nothing, to play mm. video games and eat Cheetos on the couch, it's not, not good for human beings. Not a
1: blessing, yeah. It's
0: not good for us. <laughs> yeah. So, So the idea here is that t- to eradicate poverty would literally be to eradicate sin. Well, yeah, that's going to happen. That's going to happen, but not by that president or that president or that congressman or that senator. It's going to happen with Jesus. Here's what I put. You ready for this? This is no, what I put. This is this is the person. You ready for this? God is liberal. Oh, Right? Boy. She uses that word <laughs> liberal, liberality, liberty, yep. and it comes from like the word free, liberty, right? Absolutely. Like he's free. Freely you have received, freely give. And she just comes to that word over and over again, I put
1: God as liberal. I like it.
0: Not a liberal, which would be different.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but good to clarify. Yeah, God political... is liberal. <laughs> um, Beautiful. The prayer. How do we pray this chapter, Nathan? Uh, God, fill me with the desire to bless those around me, and teach me how to stop my busyness Ooh. so that I can spend time with you and with my family. Yeah, that's that sabbatical year concept. Yeah.
0: Uh, the prayer. Same. My prayer is the same as yesterday's. You want to hear it? Yeah. That's what I said yesterday. Father, make me generous in a way that reflects your generosity, and make mm. me faithful in a way that reflects your faithfulness. Right? Yesterday was that vertical faithfulness. Mm. Today's the horizontal faithfulness. Amen.
1: Um, how do we practice this chapter? Uh, to use my time to seek God and love, uh, to seek God and to love my family.
0: Yeah, oh, beautiful. Mine is the same as yesterday's: to return tithe and offerings freely, and in this case, to focus especially on the poor, the needy, the underprivileged. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we just have to orient ourselves that way. I mean, Jesus was poor. Remember the whole judgment in matthew twenty five mm-hmm. it comes down to this. I was naked and you clothed me, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was hungry, and you know, this is not just a side issue. No, God's no, no. care for the poor. I loved your point, Nathan, that yeah. God loves everybody, but there's a special spot yeah. in his heart for for the
1: poor, for the impoverished. I love your your point with the liberality, too. It's like in that part where it says don't if it's like the sixth year and somebody's asking to borrow money from you yeah even though from a business standpoint yeah that's right like a really bad idea oh, that's to, a bad <laughs> investment because you you only have like 12 months to get your yeah your money back and you have to forgive the principal. um but there's liberality right that doesn't make any sense in a human sense right but from your uh, realizing that god is a liberal god and that he wants us to be liberal as well then uh, that makes sense in that context. Just remember, liberal, not a liberal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then finally, what's the promise, Nathan? All right, I, I chose one of the ones that's in the chapter, and it's Leviticus twenty-six, three and four. It says, "If we walk, uh, if ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, yep. and the land shall yield her increase." And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Leviticus 26, yeah, three, 3 and, and four. 4. And it goes on, but that's the essence of it.
0: So so, serve me, love me, worship me, and I'll take care of the rain. I'll take care of the sun. I'll take care of the seed, sea time and harvest. Mine's the proverb I just read, Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. Amen. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will be watered himself. I, every time I read that, I get this little image of like, you're trying to carry a cup of water, and it's like spilling on you too. So when you're like
1: giving water out to others, you get some on yourself. <laughs> when you're generous with others, it comes yeah. back on you. I think it's so powerful that this principle that we've been discussing that is contained in the Word of God is also very much contained in the second book. Of revelation, which is the book of nature. Yeah, beautiful. I mean this principle: if you plant a lot of seeds, you're going to have a massive harvest. That's right. And if you ever say, "Well, no, I don't have enough to spare for the for the planting," because you're literally you're, you're giving up all of these, these right. perfectly usable seeds. Right. And uh, and yet, if you don't do that, if you don't have faith, there's so much faith involved in farming because you're Ooh. you're giving up something that has value to you, so that it can create more of More of it. And so yeah, this this principle of liberality is something that uh, we we depend on yeah. for our sustenance. It's, it's inbuilt to nature, you it know is. going back to the scarcity mindset versus
0: the mm-hmm. the the prosperity mindset. just think about this. Okay, you have a you have a single tomato seed and you plant it. Then you get a tomato plant, and let's say that it's a great year and you get 50 tomatoes on that tomato plant. let's say 30, mm-hmm. 30 big tomatoes. Well, now let's say you take all of those tomatoes and you take all the seeds out. Well, how many seeds do you have now? Let's say that you have 20 seeds per tomato. you got 30. you got 600 seeds. Okay, so just see what God's done there. God has inbuilt abundance to nature itself. Now, let's just say you planted 600 seeds. Well, come on now. This is exponential growth. you got 600 tomato plants with 30 each. Well, what are we up to now? 1,800? I don't know the math. I mean, you get, you get the idea. Right, like inbuilt to the way that God has made nature to work is not scarcity; no. it's not paucity; totally. it's abundance. Beautiful. Woo. Yep. Okay, we want to know what your word was, and then we'll tell you our word, Nathan. If you see your word up there, do it. Do I tell? If, if I see you see it, it? You, okay. you say it. All right, sounds good. Twelve thousand. Somebody says stone doctor. Yeah, math. Math, <laughs> as you know, Twelve is thousand. not my strong point. There we go. Uh, prayers for Barb. Okay. Uh, benevolence. Here we go. Here's our words.
1: Okay. Provision. Nice. Yeah. Benevolence is actually one I considered using. Tenderness. Provision says Jim. Yeah. Tenderness. Allison. Nice. Love that
0: girl. Interdependence. That was another one I considered. Pro. Hannah, you're going to have to explain that one. Whoa. Woven. Oh yeah. Cause it's woven. Yeah. yeah we're all woven yeah, together in connected. the web of life. Provision. Provision. Generous. In as much. In as much. Well, oh, that's cool. I'd like to understand that. Yes, prayers for Barb. Amen. We will remember to pray for Barb. Liberally. Liberally. Dependence. That's similar yes. to mine. Yeah. Mine is liberality. Because I want maximum syllables. Liberality. Nice. Oh, Dino Evans says web. Yes, the great web of humanity.
1: Yep. Liberal. Liberty, Liberty,
0: liberal. Okay, we're on the same page there. That's my doctor, by the That's way. Good. I saw him today. I'll see you tomorrow, Reiner. Nice. Stewardship. I gotta go get a COVID test, so they're not gonna let me on oh, the yeah. Absolutely. Interdependence. Yeah. Benevolence. Benevolence, benevolence food, Joanne says. <laughs> hey, I like it. Well, that's a great that's always a good word. <laughs> Provision, produce, produce. Oh, that's cool. I like that, Alex. Oh,
1: that's the pro. Yeah, pro. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Benevolence, web, right. Megan says together. Oh, that's good. I like what you do there, Megan, with the rich and the poor at the end and beautiful.
1: Magnum. Uh,
0: Magnum. Magnanimity, was that it? Magnanimous? Yeah, yeah. Solution, solution release oh release is actually right. really good larry that's cool. because you know at the end of the... they were released she makes the point that they were released the slaves mm-hmm. at the end of the or the servants oh yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. good nice
0: yeah true wealth says
1: coach warren L.
0: Megan says i got it right oh bingo i got you okay you're making fun of me sabbatical <laughs> almost chose liberal yeah liberal is good awaken over but funny. liberality is the <laughs> noun or i guess that's the adjective God spoke mm. with liberality. No, that would be a noun. Yeah. Overflowing. Liberal would be the adjective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, release is awesome. Good word, Larry. Totally agree. Stefan's giving you props there. Nice. Representatives. Heart. Good word. Nice. What was your word? I haven't seen it, but you haven't seen it yet. It's some
1: one, it's not one that's really used very much in the chapter, but I I felt like it, the principle was was present throughout the whole thing rest no no um uh jubilee no
0: no Uh, sabria says one day i will guess david's word (laughs) assist what's your word okay my my word is balance oh balance balance yeah because you just talked about balance and benevolence in your rubric
1: yeah exactly so so balance right we tend towards this imbalance In our society our selfish hearts we tend towards you know the rich get richer the poor get poorer and yeah. so there's these resets to bring balance back to society uh, constantly and so we need the poor and we need the rich and so we have this kind of uh, balance act going on right the the uh, um, assets of the poor is the, the vigor and the the flesh and the The uh, work she actually says that the bone and the the muscle and the yeah, exactly. And then the rich have the means, they have the resources, and the resources. And if you get right, if everybody has riches, then who's going to do the work?
0: If you want to hear a crazy (laughs) statistic, this just came to my mind. Uh, This might be a little off, but it's something very close to this. I I read the statistic like a year ago between Facebook and Amazon, just those two companies. uh, So I guess that's what Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg there are a million employees. Now, don't get me wrong. J- Jeff Bezos makes an astonishing amount of money, as does Mark J- J- uh, Zuckerberg. I almost said Yuckerberg. But it's just something to think about. Like, Without the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, without the Jeff Bezos or the Elon Musks of the world, like these people, cr- they have ideas. They create companies. Mm-hmm. Those companies that employ th- hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of people. Right that's astonishing to think. I mean, you take Google, for example. I have a good good friend that works for Google. Google employs something like 100,000 engineers, right? And a lot of those engineers are making like $100,000 or more, you know, more than that, far more, $200,000, $300,000. So you think about this. Somebody starts a company, and their company, whether it's Ford Motor Company or Tesla or Facebook or Google or whatever, their company employs tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, that's a gift to the world, man. Mm-hmm. Not just the products, Absolutely. but people yeah. are employed. People have jobs. Yeah. It's, and I know that you know, capitalism can get a really bad rap, and, and there are some limits on capitalism, and there are some excesses in capitalism, but the idea that the visionaries can ha- take their resources, they can leverage those resources to create opportunities for others is actually really cool.
1: And when, when there's balance there and the, the wealthy are paying a livable wage, correct. if they're correct. taking care of their employees, if they're trying to bless their employees rather than just make their coffers you got it. bigger, exactly. then there's that balance you got and, it. and it works in a percent really beautiful yes. society.
0: Hey, listen, we love you all. We need to uh, stop this here because we will be back in like 12 hours from right now, 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. We're going to do our session on the annual feast. It's going to be amazing. Um, it'll probably only be about an hour. I know every time I say that it's a lot longer, so I shouldn't have said that. Um, but then we've got to quickly wrap everything up and I'm going to get on a plane and get out of here and you're going to be praying. Remember the, let me see if I got these here, got them right. Remember the light and life collection. Bam, bam. If you didn't get to watch the unboxing video, go watch it. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I already said my word was liberality people asking me what my word was. Liberality. Not just liberal. Liberality because I want maximal syllables. <laughs> All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you. We know that's not the big story. The big story is that you love us. Mm-hmm. And Father, our love for you is just a small drop in the vast ocean of the love that you have for us. Help us t- tonight to get a good night's rest. Wake us up tomorrow for those that can make the live tomorrow morning. Father, a new schedule, new time, but we got to I got a big situation happening, Lord. I got a lot to do here coming up. And so we love you. We thank you. Thank you for types and symbols. Thank you for uh, Instagram, creating this platform that we can do this. YouTube, this is really cool. And Father, we just pray for these technologies that while they exist, that we won't just use them to build up our own little mini kingdoms, but we would be using them to spread the good news that you are awesome, that Jesus is alive, that he's coming soon. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.